This is a deeply important issue and I can inform the Chamber today that Health Secretary Michael Matheson will use his statement to the Chamber this afternoon to confirm that he, that the Government has decided to commission a full independent public inquiry. That was Scottish First Minister Hamza Yousaf making a long-awaited and well-received decision to order an inquiry into the scandal surrounding disgraced former Dundee doctor Sam El-Jamel. We'll get more from the SNP leader a little later in this special one-off episode dedicated to the long struggle for answers for the dozens of patients who say they were butchered at El-Jamel's hands. But first, welcome back. I'm Andy Phillip and this is The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. When we last got together, it was a look back at a tumultuous political year. We ripped through Tory Prime Ministers and we covered the end of the Sturgeon era in the SNP. Now we're back, MSPs are in their seats, Parliament's buzzing and Hamza Yousaf has set out his first programme for government. Regular listeners to this podcast may also have heard a big development this week. Thanks to the hard work of determined campaigners and the diligent work of DC Thompson journalists, the SNP government has ordered a public inquiry into rogue Libyan doctor Sam El-Jamel. He once worked at NHS Tayside. Dozens of people went under his knife with horror stories at the other end. For anyone coming to the story new today, don't worry, we'll explain the lot here. It's a major national scandal and it happened right on our doorsteps. To tell that story... Political reporter Justin Bowie will walk us through the key moments culminating in the decision, finally, to hold a public inquiry. He'll also be joined by our news reporter colleague Graham Strachan, a long-serving journalist at The Courier, who began what turned into a long investigation, dragging in many key players and senior figures around Tayside. Before the pair of them get to the inside story, let's start at the beginning. Justin Bowie picks up the story with a primer on the background and brings us right up to date. Sam El-Jamel was hired by the NHS Tayside Health Board in 1995 to work as a neurosurgeon in Dundee. Born in Libya, he had worked across the globe, with stints south of the border, in Ireland and even in the United States. He was seen by many in Dundee as an ambitious hire when he first arrived, but over the next 18 years he would cause untold harm and misery by repeatedly botching vital operations on patients who trusted they were in the hands of an expert when they went under the knife. In December 2013, more than two years after the health board admit patients had raised concerns about his behaviour, he was finally suspended. Over the next few years, more and more of his patients would begin to realise they had not just been victims of misfortune in the operating theatre, but instead had been directly harmed by a man they describe as nothing less than a butcher. When calls for the Scottish Government to launch a public inquiry were first made, a few lone voices were making the case themselves. It's been a dramatic few days after months of incredible stories, harrowing claims and pressure on political leaders. But this is a scandal that goes back years. I'm joined by our reporter Graeme Strachan, who was the first to this story when nobody else knew just quite how big it would one day become. Graeme, do you want to tell me a little bit about how you started covering this story? I think it was the middle of 2014 where some agency copy um, had dropped which uh, basically told at that time that uh, Mufta Salem El-Jamel, this uh, professor at Nine Wells Hospital, NHS Tayside, had been suspended um, from his post. It was uh, a front page story uh, in the, the Courier at that time, basically suggesting that uh, 
a patient had been operated uh, on and, and things had gone wrong and he had uh, subsequently had restrictions placed on him and been suspended. Um, but but that was really it and um, th there was nothing more that, that happened until uh, early 2015 when Pat Kelly, who was a contact of mine who uh, I, I knew well, uh, he was an author, a broadcaster, a former radio DJ, so our paths had crossed on various stories uh, in the past. And he came to me um, with this tale that this same surgeon had uh, operated on him and he was uh, suffering and had suffered since then this operation in 2007 and he felt there was something not quite right about it. Yeah, it's fascinating how at the start, Pat was almost kind of a bit of a lone voice. You know, very few people were speaking out about this, you know, compared to now where we have hundreds of patients who have come forward. And when I spoke to Pat, he said it was almost difficult to talk about it at first because it seemed so outlandish. It seemed so difficult to believe. How did you feel when you first spoke to Pat about this? Did, did you get the sense that there was a much bigger story here that, you know, had to be told? There was a sense that there was a lot going on in the background because Pat, I think, like most people, had gone down the normal channels. He'd gone down the normal routes. And I think he, he felt that this was kind of a last resort uh, to go public. You know, he had had this back surgery. Um, he had been stitched back up. But he'd suffered chronic back pain ever since. And he'd gone about his own business and got an MRI scan uh, again. And I think the specialists had said that it looked as if nothing had actually been done during the surgery. So Pat was under the impression that he had been opened up on the operating table by El Jamel, but actually nothing had actually happened and he'd been sewn back up again. So with this evidence, with this documentation that he had, he felt that this was something uh, to go public about. And as I say, it took several months for him to, to go public on this because, as I say, it was something that probably seemed so outlandish uh, at the time. Um, but when he did go public and he called in that first story uh, for a, a public inquiry, during the digging that I had done, I knew that there were other people um, at that time who also were alleging injuries uh, at the hands of El Jamel but again, it was very much under the radar in the background. Nothing before Pat Kelly had gone public um, did we hear actually from a patient from this area that, that something may have been untoward. Today, more than 100 patients have come forward claiming they were harmed by El Jamel. I first started covering this scandal in November last year when dozens of El Jamel's victims gathered outside the Scottish Parliament to hold a protest. On this very podcast, I spoke to Jules Rose, a Kinross mum who had her tear gland removed by Eljamel instead of a tumour. It would later emerge Eljamel should have been suspended at the time he carried out surgery on Jules and many other patients. When she spoke in this podcast, an episode some of our listeners may remember well, I was struck by her anger and her determination to secure a public inquiry. Jules was also featured in this podcast in June at another Eljamel protest. Here's what she had to say back then. We're back here again to continue to make our strong protest that we are not going away and we are now up to 99 patients that have been harmed. 
by Professor El Jamel that Tayside, I must add, have allowed Professor El Jamel to do that. And my concern is that Michael Matheson has lost control and it's NHS Tayside that are calling the shots here. It's a bit like the tail wagging the dog. Now, um, NHS Tayside continue to delay, prevaricate and answer to deadlines that are given to them. They fail to meet the deadlines. Now, that's with my own situation. My situation, I've been waiting over 13 months now to receive the care and support that was um, agreed in my independent report commissioned by the Scottish Government, I must add, and I've still not received any of that, myself and another patient. So how on earth can Michael Matheson expect to think that he's going to commission a one-to-one -one review on 97 other patients and I'm absolutely um, disgusted that Michael Matheson thinks that it's his call that he seems to believe that it's his right to feel that patients want a one-to-one. -one. Has he spoke to any of these patients? Because I tell you what, I have spoke to all these patients and all these patients here today that represent the 99 Love Hearts have told me, we, Jules, we don't want a one-to-one -one independent review. We want a public inquiry. Jules has always claimed NHS Tayside ignored key concerns around LGML, something which has only been proven more and more right since that time. She's never minced her words when talking about First Minister Hamza Yousaf either, who refused a public inquiry as Health Secretary at the time before he then took on the top job. This is Jules speaking at another Holyrood protest this week on Wednesday, less than 24 hours before campaigners were finally granted the inquiry they so desperately wanted. I am extremely confident we will get this public inquiry. It might not be tomorrow, it might not be next month, but we will not stop until Boomza Yousaf does the right thing and grants us our public inquiry. You were speaking to SNP MSP Jim Fairley. He is obviously the first SNP backbencher to back a public inquiry and it's a major development. How much has that meant to you, getting the support of somebody from the SNP along with you know, MSPs from other parties? Absolutely, and I shed a quiet tear when I received the email from Jim to say that he was going to back a public inquiry because this is a major shift um, within Hunza Yousaf's political party yeah. and I am extremely confident that there will be other SNP MSPs that will do the right thing and come forward and uh, support their constituents. As campaigners relentlessly pushed for a public inquiry over a number of years, they were helped by the backing of several key figures in Holyrood who repeatedly highlighted the scandal to successive First Ministers and Health Ministers. Elgemel's victims have been full of praise for Mid-Scotland and Fife Conservative MSP Liz Smith, who has been a strong advocate on their behalf for years. They've also thanked the efforts of Dundee Labour MSP Michael Mara and North East Fife MSP Willie Rennie, who represents the Lib Dems, both of whom have also been vocal in their support for a public inquiry. On Wednesday, Scottish Tory leader Douglas Ross attended the Elgemel protest outside Parliament. He told us nothing less than a public inquiry was acceptable for patients and insisted one should have been called years ago. The Scottish Government have to now commit to a full public inquiry. Uh, the campaigners here and, and victims here have been demanding answers for, for years. Some of them have been affected for decades and it's unacceptable that we've not had a public inquiry up until now. There's been really good cross-party support. My colleague Liz Smith, Michael Mara, Willie Rennie uh, have been working on this for a long time. Uh, and the message here today is loud and clear. There can be no further delays, no further uh, alternatives to a full public inquiry. Nothing less than that being announced tomorrow will be acceptable. But it wasn't just Douglas Ross whose attendance at Wednesday's protest was seen as quite notable. Until the start of this week, the cross-party pressure for a public inquiry had largely been cross-opposition. 
But that all changed when Perthshire SNP MSP Jim Fairley spoke up and said he reckoned a public inquiry was the best course of action after a meeting with campaigner Jules Rose. I spoke to Jim about his reasons for supporting a public inquiry just before this recording. After having met Jules Rose, she explained to me what had happened, which horrified me. And then she told me there's about 130 other people that she knew at that point um, who had been through similar or worse uh, at the hands of LGML. And I gave her a promise at the time that what I would do is look at what it was that they wanted, what was the best way to achieve it. If I had not backed her demand for a public inquiry, I'd, tell her, I'd at least tell her face to face why I wasn't doing it on the basis of, I think there's a better way of doing it. But the more I looked at it, and when I specifically asked Michael Matheson, the Cabinet Secretary for Health, whether they could compel witnesses without a public inquiry um, to appear, and the answer was no, that kind of sealed it for me. Um, if, if you can't compel people to come to talk to what happened in a case like this, I don't think they'll ever get to the full answers that they need. And that's why I came to the decision that I did. Pressure on the government had been building for months as horror stories from patients and cover-up accusations against NHS Tayside continued to escalate. But it was a bombshell internal report from the health board last week, exclusively revealed by DC Thompson's politics team in the Courier, that finally spurred the government into making a huge U-turn. The review found supervision of LGML before the suspension wasn't up to scratch, and revealed senior leadership within NHS Tayside hadn't been closely involved enough while he was under scrutiny. On Wednesday, we also exclusively revealed the government was finally set to cave into the demands of campaigners after years of hurt and anger. Here was First Minister Hamza Yousaf making the historic announcement that a public inquiry will be granted in Parliament. This comes after very careful consideration of the recent due diligence review which said concerns about Professor El Jamel were not acted on with the urgency they deserved. In commissioning an inquiry, it remains important that those people directly affected are still supported to find the answers they need and that both staff and patients across Scotland know that lessons are being learned. The Cabinet Secretary has uh, considered the latest report on uh, NHS Tayside and uh, we have collectively concluded that this requires investigation independent of both the board and indeed of the Scottish Government and I agree uh, with that. Uh, he will set out, uh, the Cabinet Secretary for Health will set out the details of the next steps in his statement this afternoon. Eljamel fled Scotland years ago now, but before he did, our reporter Graeme Strachan, who I spoke to earlier, managed to come face to face with him. I asked Graeme what that was like, and I asked him whether he thought this story would ever become so big that it resulted in the Scottish Government granting a full public inquiry. Here's what he had to say. You, of course, spent years writing stories about Eljamel and, of course, even came face to face with him one time before he fled to Libya, where we believe he now is. Um, how was that experience and how do you recall it? Yeah, I mean, the, the way with Eljamel was that we had always tried when, I mean, certainly after Pat Kelly's story, the floodgates had effectively opened and so many more people came forward um, with their own uh, stories. And every time you would go to the usual channels for responses. But we always tried to get uh, El Jamel uh, as well. But he declined to comment through email, whether it was Facebook, whether it was any uh, communication that we possibly had for him. Um, he just did not get back in touch, despite these stories appearing 
um, on an almost daily, if not weekly, uh, basis. But at that point, although he was suspended, he was still kind of tied in with his employer. So it was really when he decided to quit the NHS um, that we decided then that he may well speak out, he may well break his silence. So it was in August 2015 that I headed over to uh, his home uh, at Newport Ponte, um, knocked at the door, um, obviously introduced myself as being from the the courier. Um, what what struck me firstly was that we have seen the pictures um, from his days really as the poster boy for NHS Tayside. You know, very clean cut, very immaculate, um, smiling, happy. Um, he was a completely different character. Clearly, um, the previous months had, had taken their toll because he looked world removed from the character that we we saw previously. He had this long moustache. He was very unkempt as well. Um, he just looked like he had, um, you know, the weight of the world uh, on his shoulders at that time. Um, and he declined very quickly to comment. I think no, 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 no was was said many times. And then he, he closed his door and, um, you know, went back inside. And little did I know that, um, you know, that was the last time that I would ever set eyes on the man. And, you know, for many people, that probably was the last time, um, you know, that he was seen uh, in public. When you first started covering this scandal, Graham, did you ever imagine that one day it would end up with a full public inquiry being announced? I didn't really at the time. I mean, you have to remember that um, we got into a bit of an international game of cat and mouse um, over those five years after Pat Kelly had first gone public. You know, El Jamel continued with these lucrative uh, speaking engagements around the world um, going under different names at times claiming that he was still with Dundee University, sometimes that he was still with Nine Balls Hospital as well. So it really was scandal after scandal that was hitting uh, the papers. The alleged victims were still coming forward with their own stories, um, but it did seem to be that we were kind of ploughing a, a, a lone furrow uh, at the time. Um, it, it did feel that the courier was really banging the drum um, and it just did feel that everything that was happening at the top, there was still not the recognition that El Jamel should be brought to account. And I think that the alleged victims felt that uh, as well. I think the change at the top in the SNP and the government has possibly helped now as well, because we have seen the countless calls for a public inquiry which were knocked back during the time of Nicola Sturgeon as First Minister. So I think there's now a, a, a groundswell. I think the protests outside Parliament have very much helped as well. Um, so it was a great day yesterday to hear that finally um, the patients' voices in a public platform will be heard. Um, and I think they are delighted as well that finally, um, you know, they are getting the, the recognition um, that they have deserved. And I think the hope now has to be that Sam Al-Jamel is also brought back to Britain for this inquiry as well. Even though this has already been in the headlines for years, yesterday's news of a full public inquiry 
means there's no doubt plenty more still to come. The inquiry will no doubt ask extremely tough questions of NHS Tayside, putting senior leadership figures in the spotlight. There's even been talk of trying to extradite Eljabel back from Libya, where he's currently staying, so that he can answer for his actions. But for now, the campaigners who've spent years fighting for justice will be delighted that they've finally been listened to. That was The Stooshy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson. Thanks to Justin Bowie, Graham Strachan, producer Morvan McIntyre, and of course to you for listening. We'll be back next week on our new regular Wednesday slot, shifting from Fridays as the parliamentary year gets into full swing. But until then, pick up a paper or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal, Sunday Post, and all of our news brands so that you can be better briefed.